Already a Monday night. What do you know about that? Nice to have you with us, as always, here on the WJR Sportsbook. Uh, promises to be, in my opinion anyway, I'm a little biased, a uh, action-packed episode. Uh, my name is Steve Courtney, and uh, normally I am joined by WDIV's Jamie Edmonds. Now, a little review. Uh, early in September, Jamie, husband Ryan, welcomed Olivia James into the world. So she's been doing some mama in, uh, but she has been kind enough to join us at the beginning of the last couple of episodes. And tonight is no exception. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. Things are really good. We just went on a walk with little baby Olivia. Uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm momming pretty hard. <laughs> you, you got the mom thing down from what I yeah. understand. Uh, now the question has become, and there's nothing like a stroller walk to put baby to sleep. Um, there's been some, some situations, Olivia choosing to snooze during the day, Right. wants to play at night. That's still occurring. I see. So that's my update, but you know, we'll see. She has her month appointment tomorrow and we'll see what the doctor says. But my guess is it's just regular newborn stuff. Well, you know, I never won father of the year, but give her a steak. That always puts me to sleep. Um, All right, got it. <laughs> so, yeah, you're doing some uh, mama detail, and you're still checking out the uh, sports scene, and I'm sure your husband, Ryan, a huge Spartan fan, not too happy at all with what went down in College Park. It's it's not good right now, James. I mean, a three-game losing streak heading into Ohio State week, not great, no. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, you know, I know uh, Mel Tucker, you know, he, he really digs complimentary football. <clears throat> Offense, defense, special teams, <clears throat> all contributing. And all three phases of the Spartan team right now, not doing well at all. Um, and to think in the 11-win season a year ago, uh, didn't have a two-game losing streak, let alone a three. And as you mentioned, as a reward... Uh, you'll play host to the Ohio State Buckeyes come Saturday. Wow. I mean, that's a scary proposition considering MSU's been outscored 100 to 48. What's Ohio State going to do? Well, and herein lies the issue because three straight opponents now have put up just about 500 yards of total offense uh, on the Spartans. And, you know, that is, I think, uh, and we know what it was last year. Uh, they were near the bottom in the nation as far as pass defense goes. And at the beginning, and again, I know quality of opponent comes into play, um, but the amount of times the opposition's wide receivers are wide open is very disheartening. There's no green or white player anywhere near that. No, and uh, that's not good. But uh, as uh, we've detailed before, Mel Tucker has – all the confidence in the world and his coaching staff in this team. So uh, we'll have more on that coming up. Meanwhile, uh, Michigan goes to a very difficult place to play, uh, Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. And the Hawkeyes, they were hanging their hat on a stellar defense, but uh, Michigan paid it no mind. Yeah, I, you know, it was their first real test, in my opinion, on the road and the whole deal, and they looked pretty good. Yeah, they uh, passed that test. Now they go to Bloomington. Um, to face the 3-1 uh, and one overall Hoosiers. 
Um, well, we've put it off as long as we can. Uh, the Honolulu Blue and Silver. Um, it's just mind-boggling uh, what we're seeing right now. I mean, you have clearly one of the more prolific offenses in the NFL. But as good as that is, your defense and the Lions' defense, James, has been poor for a while. For a while. And is it the worst in recent memory right now? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just can't believe they can score 45 points and still lose the game. That's not supposed to happen. If their defense was just a little bit better, you know, from horrible or atrocious to, like, bad, that that have, win more, won, have won more games. Well, here's the deal. Uh, going into the Seahawks tilt, the Lions' defense was giving up an average, an average of 31 points, by far worse in the league. But to show you how ridiculously insane it is, if if you just gave up your average, you win the game. Right. Uh, yeah, by a lot. And today, I guess Dan Campbell said he's going to make personnel changes, but, like, to who? You can't really change your roster in the middle of an NFL season. Well, you know, more on the defense in just a second. But I I just want to give kudos to offensive coordinator Ben Johnson because offensively, the Lions had five guys on that side of the ball that started the year on the practice squad. Remember, there was no Jonah Jackson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, DJ Chark. Uh, When you bring Swift and Brown into the conversation, you're talking about the two dudes who were responsible for half of your offensive output going into that Seahawks game. And you still score 45 points. Right. And Hawk had a great game. It's like they game plan pretty well on that side of the ball. Well, and again, uh, leave it to the Lions to allow an opponent to do something. And we've seen this time and time again, to allow an opponent to do something that they've never done. Zero punts for the Seahawks yesterday. First time ever in their franchise's history, believe it or not. And who was it against? Who's shocked? Yeah, who's shocked? The Lions always come up with new ways and new things to to do. And uh, in closing, the Alliance have now allowed the most points through four games in National Football League history. And (laughs) like you you were referring, James, um, you know, Dan Campbell's going to do a deep dive, he said. He is defending, for all the right reasons, Aaron Glenn, uh, defensive coordinator. Um, he thinks he's a hell of a coach. Okay. But then he says, until it changes, what does it all mean? So I don't, right. I don't know exactly uh, what the plan of attack is. They're going to take a look at scheme. They're going to take a look at personnel. And Dan Campbell said, you know what? We'll throw the young dudes in. What do we have to lose? You have absolutely nothing to lose. And you're going to New England to face... Their third-string quarterback, Zappy, Bailey Zappy. Now, if yeah. he lights you up for 400, there's a real problem. I mean, he's about to have the game of his career, probably. <laughs> uh, something maybe a little more pleasant, because we'll have Michael O'Hara coming up in the moments ahead. And really, speaking of deep dives into this whole Lions fiasco, um, your hometown Steelers. Are you happy that the Kenny Pickett era has begun? Yes. Yes, I am, because I was unhappy with the Mitch Trubisky era. 
That didn't take long, did it? No. I mean, the whole public, everyone in Pittsburgh wanted to see Kenny Pickett. And so they relented. He came in in the second half and had two rushing touchdowns. Like, that's pretty good. They still lost, though. Yeah, he was 10-13, 120 yards, uh, but he did throw three picks. Uh, So there's that. But you're right. He had the uh, two rushing touchdowns. So uh, Mitch Trubisky got the heave-ho, 7-13, 84 yards, and an interception. So, I mean, is it the gut feeling, Jane, that that Kenny Pickett's the guy now? Well, Ian Rappaport tweeted out that he believes it's the guy. Tomlin doesn't talk until Tuesday. But the problem is still the offensive line. So whoever you have back there still has to deal with no time and pressure. So we'll see. Well, uh, get your thoughts on the Monday night tilt tonight. Uh, You've got uh, the Rams and 49ers in Frisco. Uh, Rams going in two and one. Frisco one and two. But, interesting enough, the 49ers lay in two. What are you thinking? Are we going to bet? Um, I think it's a very bettable game. And uh, which way you want to go? I'll go Stafford and the Rams. All right. Uh, that's going to leave me with uh, Garoppolo, who's just in a horrible situation. Because even when the 49ers won their game, he was completely roasted. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, numbers on, on uh, Matthew. Uh, he has thrown for 761 yards, four TDs, but those interceptions haunting yeah, him again. it's sailing on him. It's sailing five, again for him. Five picks. Garoppolo, meanwhile, 365 yards, two TDs, and a pick. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, maybe he's just so busy doing commercials. I mean, all we see are Matthew Stafford commercials now. You know, and thank goodness the AT&T one is starting to slow down a little bit. because it was, <laughs> Yeah, but now we got pizza. Yeah, now we got the pizza pizza thing, and, and holy <laughs> mackerel. Um, I guess it is what it is. But all right, Jane, uh, go back to taking care of Olivia and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, let's talk next week. All right, you betcha. Uh, okay, that's my partner. Bye. That is my partner, Jamie Edmonds. Going back to Olivia and hubby Ryan, and uh, there's rumors, maybe some speculation. Blake is here. I am here. Uh, program put together by uh, Nick Roddy, as always. Uh, and we are so very thankful for our friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Um, but, yeah, that's the deal. Goff for the end zone. It's a touchdown. T.J. Hawkinson. What a game he is having. You got that right, Mr. T.J. Hawkinson on point. Eight receptions, set a career high with 179 yards receiving and two touchdowns. You just heard the second one. Uh, Lions offense, talk about being on point. In the 48-40, it's so hard to say. The 48-45 loss. To the visiting Seattle Seahawks. By the way, if you're into scoragami, uh, that is the first time in NFL history that a game ended with that score. Let's talk about it with Mo Better Blues, our good friend Mike O'Hara from DetroitLions.com. Mo, what's up? Steve, you're what's up. I know what's up. Uh, the amount of yards the Lions defense is giving up on a regular basis. And uh, 
I don't know, Mike, uh, you know, certainly in this conversation, um, we can talk about, if you want to be positive, how stellar this Lions offense is and they deserve a better fate. Or we can discuss the nastiness that is this horrific Lions defense. Yeah, that was a heck of a game by the offense yesterday, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I see which way you're going. No, you have to go both ways, Steve. And look, it's it's they've got the number one rated by statistic, you know, statistically by yards and points and all that. The number one rated offense in the National Football League after four games. And, you know, turn it upside down and there's the Detroit Lions defense. It's the thirty second, which is last, uh given up thirty five point three points per game. You know, you talk average. about you talk about the Lions though. Let's give them a little love. They lead the NFL. Uh, with 35 points per game. No other team has crossed the 30-point-per-game mark, and they are 1-3. in three. The next 12 teams, Mike, on the points-per-game list are 500 or better. So, yeah, and it's not, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, Stephen, it's not like they're getting cheap points either. It's not like they're, you know, the defense is, is knocking, knocking the ball loose at the one-yard line. And and the, and the offense goes on the field and gets you know gets really is a gift touchdown. They're working for everything they get. Well, and uh, you know, bring this into the conversation. There were five guys, Mike, on the offensive side of the ball who started the year on the practice squad. Uh, Lions without Jonah Jackson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, and DJ Chark. And when you're talking about being without Swift and Brown, that's half of your offensive output. So there's that, and still Ben Johnson dials up a way to put 45 points on the board. Yeah, and I don't have any doubt that, you know, Ben Johnson, people out there just joined us or just don't cover it every day, don't listen to it every day. You know, he's, this is his first year as the offensive coordinator of his team. He was the tight ends coach last year. At least that's the way he started the season. As the season went on, he t- took more and more responsibility with the offense. And then it was just a fait accompli that Dan Campbell, the head coach, was going to appoint him as the new uh, offensive coordinator in the offseason. He did just that. And he and, uh, and and Jared Goff went right to work and, and putting together the game plan and the system they were going to run this year. And he, looked, he empowered you know, Jared Goff, who's you know, seventh year in the league, and rightfully so. He's played a lot of football, played a lot of big games for the Rams before he came here. You know, to get some input in it, now it wasn't, it's not Jared's offense, but he had some say-so, especially in running play-action plays, play-action fake stuff like that because as he had said, Jared had said that's they were really successful with that with the Los Angeles Rams. He wanted that incorporated if he could in the Lions offense and they've done that and I think you're seeing the results. Uh Jared Goff, twenty six to thirty nine, three hundred and seventy eight yards, an average of nine point seven yards per uh per completion, uh four TDs and then and then this. The defense has been physical as Goff has been sharp, but this is intercepted by Tariq Woolen, and he's going to take it back inside for a Seahawk touchdown. Wow. Yeah, that was the uh, first play, Mike, of the uh, second half. It didn't, it didn't hurt, uh, help the situation, but by no means uh, was it the uh, disaster that led to defeat. By the way, Goff had a rating of 121.5. Yeah, just uh, look, he's really played good ball. And in my opinion, and I think a lot of the guys who cover the team and uh, might agree with this, that the Detroit Lions have, have found their quarterback of the present and the future. I don't I don't think they need to go into the next year's draft looking for a quarterback, certainly not a high pick in the first round. I think that 
I think they have their quarterback and they can use their draft picks and they've got two first round picks. They can use that to address other areas of need like defense, 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 yeah, and then throw in some defense. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. Uh, Geno Smith, the Lions hadn't seen him, Mike, since 2014 when he was running the show with the uh, New York Jets. Uh, 23 of 30, 320 yards. Uh, he had two TDs, a rating of 132.6. Rashad Penny, who was a uh, lion killer in the beatdown a year ago, 17 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. Um, the question becomes this, and I and I know, Mike, Dan Campbell was the first to go to the defense of defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, and you and I had a chat uh, before the show tonight. Uh, there's a lot of noise out there that Aaron Glenn's got to go. Uh, Dan Campbell hired him because he thinks he's a hell of a football coach. He is standing by that, uh, but they're going to do a deep dive as to scheme and personnel. Yeah, this is different than last year when when uh, Campbell did a deep deep dive into the offense at the uh, at the bye break after eight games. Well, they haven't gone eight games this year, so that's one of the differences. But you know, I think he's committed. Like, I don't think I know he's committed to Aaron Glenn as his defensive coordinator now you know last year now next year however long they happen to be together and he just he said that after the game yesterday and then he doubled down on it again today and I don't think he's just saying that the one question he was asked and that's a legitimate question are you able to be you know uh, to judge a man when you have a personal friendship with him can you accurately and you know and judge him and he said yeah look he said he's made hard decisions before in this area. He'll do whatever's best for the team. But he firmly believes that Aaron Glenn is the defensive coordinator of the future and the guy who can get the Lions out of this mess. All right, so uh, that begs the question, Mike. Um, we have seen the Lions' defensive personnel. And look, here's the thing. When you go back to that Washington win, uh, Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks. I think the Lions as a team had five. So that was a shining shining moment from where the Lions pass rush has been in uh, recent memory. Uh, since then, everything, all the stellar moments from the defensive side of the ball have disappeared. So when you're getting ready for the Patriots on Sunday, where is the improvement? I'm talking about a distinct improvement defensively going to come from. Well, that's a good question. You know what, uh, and what Campbell talked about uh, at his Monday presser today was that they're going to look at uh, look at uh, schematics, and they're going to look at personnel. Schematics obviously means, you know, what are the things you're going to do to, what sort of defenses are you going to run? Uh, they made a big change in the offseason from a three-four front to a four-three, and there's way more into it than that. But that's those are the basics. Uh, personnel, I think they're going to have to look at some people and, and maybe move them around, maybe move uh, the rookie Aiden Hutchinson from you know, playing pr- predominantly the right defensive end to maybe move him inside a little bit and see if his quickness and his athleticism uh, whatever level he has might be, you know, might be more useful and more productive in there. But clearly, there are some players who aren't making plays, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple of changes. But the thing to me is, if they were they were starters to begin with. They obviously were thought that they were ahead of the play, players behind them. How necess, how realistic is it that the guys who are backups are going to come in and play better? But the other side of that is, well, look at the backups who are playing on the offensive end of the football for the right. Detroit Lions. Look what they're doing. You know, they're they're doing you know <laughs> doing really well. In fact, they're playing like starters. 
Uh, Michael, you still have faith in Amani Oruarie and uh, Jeff Akuda? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, look, Oruarie had too good of a, a game, uh, too good of a season last year, I should say, for that to be a fluke. He had six interceptions. It really, really a good, strong player. You know, six two weighs about two ten. Really, really plays good, tough football, and I like him. And I think Okuda. In the first four games, if yesterday was his worst game, and it probably was, that he's having a really a really good bounce back from two seasons really cut short by injury, particularly last year when he played part of the first half before going down with an Achilles injury. I don't think he's exactly 100% yet, but he's competitive, he's good, he's tough, and I think he's I think he's really I think he's an asset to that defense. Well, as the uh, Lions might prepare for the uh, Patriots. In uh, Foxborough, come Sunday, uh, looks like looks like anyway they'll be going against the Patriots' third-string QB Bailey Zappi, who kind of represented himself <laughs> well in the loss to the Packers. Uh, Ten of 15, 99 yards, one TD, no picks, rating of one hundred seven point four. So hopefully he can make a little noise with that guy. Yeah, you would think so. You know, look, He's got one of the greatest coaches in the history of any sport, Bill Belichick. But it's still, look, he's a third-string rookie, uh, and you know, look, I'm sure Belichick will find you know some holes in the Lions' defense that he'll try to exploit. But it's up to the Detroit Lions to you know find some areas in a young player's career who's played really one half of National Football League you know, football in his life, and and they should be able to take advantage of him now. You got to do it on the field. It's easy for me to sit here and pontificate on what they should do, but it comes down, as Daryl Rogers used to say, it's the way you play on the day you play, and that's what they have to do. All right, Mo. Hopefully, better days are ahead. Uh, thanks for joining us, as always. It's become a tradition here on the sports book. Thank you. A tradition like no other. There you <laughs> have it, my friend. That is our good buddy Michael Hare from DetroitLions.com, spending some time with us here on the sports book on seven sixty. WJR. All right, once again, my friends, welcome into the sports book here on 760 WJR. Jamie, still away because of maternity. Uh, as I mentioned, a rumor that uh, she will make her triumphant return next week. Looking forward to that. Now, uh, we have a wonderful overlapping of sports right now. It's a tremendous time of year. Uh, got a little preseason hockey going on. Your Detroit Red Wings. Two and two thus far in preseason play. They are playing host to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Little Caesars Arena. Just getting underway, well, right about now. Meanwhile, your Detroit Pistons, who are once again very much on the Detroit sports radar, they begin their preseason under head coach Dwayne Casey. That'll be in New York against the Knickerbockers tomorrow night. And uh, anxious to see Cade Cunningham with uh, 10 more pounds of muscle that he put on during the offseason. Averaged 17 points to lead all rookies a year ago. Second with uh, 5.6 assists. Uh, You get Jalen Duran in there. Uh, But speaking of the Knicks, selected uh, 13th overall by the Hornets in 2022 draft, then traded to the uh, Knicks, then on to Detroit. Jaden Ivey, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Sadiq Bey, carryover from last year, like the way he plays. A lot of excitement. Who are you more excited about, the Wings or the Pistons? And who do you think's closer, the Wings or the Pistons? Uh, I would say as we're having this chat, uh, the Pistons. I think, you know, just based on 
what Troy Weaver has done, and this is no slight to Steve Eiserman, mm-hmm. because look at the pantry was empty when he took over. I think a hockey rebuild takes a little bit well, longer. Well, and he's doing it the way he knows how, mm-hmm. and I have all the confidence in the world that it's going to pay off. Uh, what Troy Weaver has done with this Pistons team is mind-boggling. I think at the end of last season, if you had that answer, though, people would be shocked. But that's how big of an off season they had. Well, then you bring aboard Bojan Bogdanovic. You know, I like this. You know, 33 years old, can shoot a three. Do you like trying to pronounce his name? I've mastered it, clearly. You, you have. That was incredible. Thank you so much. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Bojan Bogdanovic. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell me I'm not a professional. Uh so yeah, I think there's a tremendous upside uh, to the Pistons, and, what, and you know, it wasn't that long ago, what a couple of weeks ago on the album show, uh, we had Dwayne Casey on, and uh, he's excited, and I'm rooting for that guy. I just am. He's a teacher. He, I, 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 I like the way he goes about his business. You can tune into a Piston game and just looking at it, you don't know if they're up by ten or down by ten. Doesn't matter. So I think he's finally surrounded with some talent to make a difference. We have a very likable group of coaches and managers right now in Detroit. Oh, yeah. If you think about it. I mean, Dan Campbell, obviously, he's like a national sweetheart. Everyone likes him. Well, yeah, but he's got to get to win it soon here. Yeah. Because I know on social media, uh, somebody made somebody made the comment that the the hard knockers are peeling off left and right right now, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, the his whole, I don't want to call it an actor a shtick because I think it's really who he is, but if you don't win while doing that, then it just turns into an act or a shtick, and it becomes kind of corny, and it's not going to work. Well, I think there's a very fine line. Uh I think the most important thing is, for the moment, uh, this Lions team, they're buying what he's selling. But you remember Jamal Williams in that impassioned speech on Hard Knocks doesn't want to go back to 313-1. and one. And they're 1-3 and three right now. And to whom a lot is given, a lot is expected. I'm a big believer in that adage. And there was expectation, maybe unfairly so, put on this Lions team. But I'll tell you what, this offense is so fun to watch. The offense is exceeding expectations. And without its two best players, and you got a first-round receiver that hasn't even played yet this year. Right. Like, it's going to get – I shouldn't say it's going to. It should get better. And this is where the problem comes in, in a situation like this. I'm going to talk to uh, Frank Ragnow tomorrow morning on the Paul W. Smith Show at 835. You know, you're busting a hump out there offensively, and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. As a matter of fact, the way you're going about your business, you've become pretty prolific in the National Football League. But the defense is weighing you down. How does that not cause grief in that locker room. It's a win-based business, period. That's it. 
I was talking to Chris about this last night. There was three teams in the NFL, or there was two teams in the NFL before yesterday that scored 40-plus points in the entire season. The Bills in week two and the uh, Dolphins in week two. That's it. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, if you put up 45. You should win. 99.9% of the time. 45 points. Hey, I just want you to know, guess who had the over? Way to go, Blake. Easy money. Look at you. I'm so happy. Man, you were all over that. You know what the total was for that whole game? 49. No, it wasn't. Yes. Was it really? 49. Wow. Well, and I know uh, at last I looked, the Lions went off as a four-point favorite. Yes, they were, I, I think, at game time four, four and a half. All right, listen. Put this off as long as I can. Tough sledding for my Spartans right now. It's a real shame. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming as a friend. Yeah, it's uh, a three-game losing streak right now, and I think uh, one of the most disappointing things about it is the way they're losing. I mean, when you've had three straight opponents now putting up just about 500 yards of offense against you, and as I've stated before, and Mel Tucker is huge into complementary football, the problem is offense, defense, and special teams, there's things going on right now. You look at the loss at College Park, you had – well, let's see, a missed extra point because of a bad snap, a field goal that was blocked, and a missed 34-yard field goal. And when you're trying, like hell, to break out of a funk, you can't have stuff like this going on. Not to mention, you're still in the game at the half. 21-13. It's up for grabs. Yeah. Offense puts up 75 yards of total offense in the second half and zero points. So I know, Mel much like Dan Campbell, has the uh, complete confidence of his staff. They were here for an 11-win season, for crying out loud. And uh, the problem is you've got uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes coming to the woodshed on Saturday. That's going to be a 4 o'clock start. Yours truly with the tailgate show getting underway at 1. See what happens here. Uh, Meanwhile, Blake, your Wolverines uh, go into Iowa City. Very difficult place to play, Kinnick Stadium. Get themselves a 27-14 win. Uh, Blake Corum, the dude is gifted. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 133 yards and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy threw for 155 yards and a score. And the Wolverines uh, got past a pretty damn good defense. That's what Iowa was hanging their hat on because their offense is woeful. They had, like, their best offensive game of the season. Against, I I think it was the first time all year that they went over 200 yards passing against Michigan. And Michigan, the fourth quarter, they basically just started playing a shell defense and just kind of didn't want to give up anything deep. How confident are you at that noon tilt in Bloomington? Very. I I think Indiana is horrible. So three and two overall, one and one in conference play. Yes. Michigan stays at number four. You agree with that? No, I don't. I don't actually. I think Clemson's been much more impressive this year. I don't. I don't know if you caught any of that Clemson NC State game, but Clemson this week played in a tough, grinded out type game against NC State. 
Last week they did the whole high scoring points back and forth with Wake Forest. They've shown they can pl- they can win multiple ways. I think Clemson is a better team, and I honestly think on a neutral field USC might be too. Right now, well, listen, on any given Saturday, Sunday, you're talking college or pro. One team can beat another. Look at number one at the time, Georgia, battling with Mizzou. That game was – it was weird because if you look at the statistics and you watched the game, it shouldn't have been as close as it was. And I was getting frustrated. I wanted – I would have loved to see the upset Mizzou win it at home. Their coach just was not aggressive towards the end. He – kicked a field goal when he probably should have went for it, stuff like that. And when you're in that spot trying to pull that kind of upset, you gotta you got to go for it. you got to be all in. Well, and number uh, – well, then, number two, Alabama uh, outscores Arkansas on the road 21-3 in the fourth quarter to get that 49-26 win. But Arkansas was holding tough for a minute. I, uh, I may or may not have had Arkansas plus the 17, so I was a little upset with that final score. <laughs> And talking about field goals when should have went for touchdowns, they I I believe they had fourth and goal from like the three or five yard line and kicked a field goal to keep a two score game and two score game, and then after that it was over. Is Purdue? Let me just ask this because we were talking about this at the uh, Spartan Media uh, Studios Saturday. Uh, Purdue, are they the cream of the Big Ten West right now? God, the West is so bad. I mean, everyone was shocked that Ibrahim was did not play in that game, and I think that that made a huge difference. O- O'Connell is so good, though, and they can score on anyone. It's just their defense is playing, I think, better than a lot of people expected it to. Their loss at uh, Syracuse a couple of weeks ago, one of the epic games I've ever seen. Yeah. Purdue couldn't get out of their own way. <laughs> that game was so sloppy and so horrible. And I mean, Syracuse is still undefeated. It's not a bad loss if you're Purdue. So you take a look at the West. By the way, uh, still very interested to see what the Big Ten's going to do when USC and UCLA arrive. Are they going to completely do away with divisions? I think um, that that's the rumor. I wouldn't mind that at all. No, me either. Because the way it's set up right now, you've got the East beating each other up, mm-hmm. and the West usually comes down to uh, Wisconsin. Although they're having are, a... are you were you shocked when Paul Chris got fired last I, night? I, yeah, I I, I kind of was, and I'll tell you why. And I understand what the landscape of college football is all about right now. It's what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And it's win or else. And I think Paul Chris has had a lot of success uh, at Wisconsin as far as wins and losses and the time that he's been there, uh, you know, bowl appearances, what have you. Uh, but the uh, two and three start. To do it now. That's what I was shocked with. I was, I, I kind of took that as a complete it's just, sign of disrespect. It's Yeah, and it's just like you don't, I saw a tweet earlier today. Paul Christ is the first Wisconsin coach to get fired, just fired since 1995, men's basketball or football, 95. 
Well, what's interesting, because you can connect the dots, um, it was ironic that 34-10 lost to Illinois with Brett Bielema. Yeah. Former head coach at Wisconsin. Had some days there. You know, that probably didn't go over well either. But, you know, to do it now, what is to be gained? Yeah, I, that, I, that, I don't understand. I mean, besides the fact that they probably want to get a good look at Jim Leonard, the D.C., to see if he can be a head coach. That's really the only thing I can assume. But what you're bringing into the equation here, I've seen already a couple of tweets from some Wisconsin players. Star running back was very upset. Beside themselves. Yeah. They took it personally, and this is something that never should have been done. We love Coach Chris and blah, blah, blah. He should have been given time, blah, blah, blah. But you're not getting time anymore in college football. No, it's just shocking to see it from a program like Wisconsin. Like, could you ever in a million years see – like Iowa fired um, Kirk Ferentz midseason, like they're those programs are very like similar to me. Well, and I think you get to a point weird where, and and I think Ferentz is probably in this category where you leave on your own terms. You've been there yeah. for a gazillion years. Um, I thought maybe Paul Chris was there because of all the success he's had at Wisconsin. Granted, he's never won a Big Ten championship, never been to the Final Four, yada, yada, yada. I get it. But Wisconsin, until this particular year, has been competitive. Yeah. You don't give somebody a mulligan. You don't give them a little bit of grace period. Apparently, those days are over. So, all right. We'll uh, come back in just a bit to preview uh, what I think is going to be a dynamic Monday night encounter. Leave it here. It's the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. Yeah, Jamie uh, joined us at the beginning of this episode of the sports book, and we uh, were able to indulge in our usual Monday night wager. And um, we've got the Rams uh, at the City by the Bay taking on the San Francisco 49ers, Levi Stadium. Uh, Rams go in 2-1. and one. The 49ers are 1-2. and two. Uh, Some quick numbers for you. Points per game. The uh, Rams averaging 20.3, the Niners 15.7 points allowed per game. The uh, Rams struggling a little bit on defense this year, allowing 23.3 points per game. Meanwhile, the 49ers just 12.3 points per game. As far as the quarterbacks go, uh, you know, number nine, Matthew Stafford, 74 of 102, uh, 761 yards, four TDs, but... Stafford's already thrown five, count them, five interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo in kind of a crazy situation. Uh, He has thrown for 365 yards, two TDs, and an interception. You know, Blake, the thing about uh, Garoppolo, and he has said as much, he thought he was done in San Francisco. He said goodbye to everybody. He wasn't even, like, they didn't give him a playbook in the offseason and during training camp. He was not clued in at all so that kind of makes sense as to why he looked so bad against the Broncos a few weeks ago because I mean literally it was like his first week with the playbook but then uh, when they beat Seattle he was still roasted there's no way this dude can win yeah no it's it's kind of sad because he's had it's not like he puts up great numbers and statistically and all that but he's a solid NFL quarterback I'd take him over Baker Mayfield right now. 
if we're being honest. Yeah, I think uh, Carolina would probably do the same thing. Can uh, I give you a stat, too? Absolutely. So, Steve, as you know, I, I love uh, indulging in some gambling. From time to time. The under in primetime games going into this weekend was hitting so far eight out of 11 times. Last night, the over hit, so eight out of 12. So I like the under tonight, just going off of statistics. You really put a lot of thought into this, don't you? I really do. I spend way too much time. How about this? You may change your mind after this little factoid. Here we go. The uh, Niners do indeed have the edge in head-to-head battle, winning the past six regular season matchups, including a Week 18 game last January got them into the playoffs. What does that do for you? I, I don't, it, I don't know. I don't know this matchup though. I mean, because in the playoffs, we saw the Rams obviously win to go to the Super Bowl. I they always play really close games, and that's the spread indicates that with it being at two, two and a half. So. It it will end up being like a field goal type game. Well, how far? I'm just reading here. Uh, Garoppolo uh, gets no off season work at all, none. And uh, right now, going into his fourth game of the season, you know what can you really and reasonably expect from this dude? I think that the offense, though, has almost looked cleaner under him than Trey Lance, which is shocking. But it's. He knows the offense. It's just like relearning the installs and like all of that. But I think he really does fit what Kyle Shanahan likes to do almost better than Trey Lance. Uh, the Rams, tough time running the ball of late. As a matter of fact, uh, they are posting the NFL's third lowest rushing average at 72.3 yards per game. Not to mention, how measly is this? 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, Cam Akers has got to pick it up a little bit here. It's it, it's very shocking to see that because I feel like a huge part of McVay's offense has always been the play-action game, and I think that's why we've kind of seen Safford struggle, struggle a little bit early in the season too. What's going on with uh, Cooper Cup? Let me take a, look, a, a quick look at He's his still numbers. still good. You know, here's a dude. Like seven eleven, he's always open. If I can, ah, ah, Danielle, you, you, you got that, didn't you? Uh, as far as the numbers go for Mister Cup, uh, see if I can find this uh, in time here. Uh, there we go, twenty eight receptions, two hundred eighty yards, three TDs. Yeah, he's so, good at football. Yeah. I took the over in his prop tonight, ninety yards. I need him to go over ninety. I I like that one. You know what? You got a little action riding on tonight's game, don't <laughs> I just, you? I just sprinkle a little bit everywhere All and right. just see what happens. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it as always. Thank the karate and thank you for listening to 760 WJR.